Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Well, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thanks for joining us as we study biblical prophecy. Today, we are still looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to look at the prophetic gospel of the kingdom. And I'm just going to read two verses, verse 1 and verse 5 of chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace, for our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. One of the most important questions regarding biblical prophecy is this. When is the kingdom reign of Jesus? When does it begin? When is it? And there's basically two answers. It can get more complicated than that, but just to keep it simple, there's two answers, future or present. In other words, the kingdom reign of Jesus would be a future reality or the kingdom reign of Jesus is a present reality. And one way to get an answer for that, we're going to be looking at that in several different scriptures, particularly as we go through the book of Revelation. But for today, one way to answer that question is to dig in to what the word gospel means. We have four gospels, the gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And several times in Thessalonians, Paul refers to the gospel. So what does Paul mean when he says gospel? What does the New Testament mean? Newsweek magazine called the scholar N.T. Wright the world's leading New Testament scholar. And if you would sit down with Dr. N.T. Wright and say, what does gospel mean? And we're looking for a scripture answer to that question. He would take you immediately to Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7, an incredibly important verse. Now, it's really easy to miss if you're reading through an English translation of this, but let's go to Isaiah 52, 7, because that's not uh, only a place that Dr. Wright would take you. A huge amount of New Testament scholars would say the same thing. And it reads as this, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings, who publishes peace, who brings good tidings of good, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, you might not have had any idea how gospel relates to what I just read to you from Isaiah 52 and verse 7, and it really helps at this point when you're looking between the New Testament Greek and the Old Testament Greek translation called the Septuagint. It's very often abbreviated LXX. Now, I realize that 90% of you 
or 99% of you don't read Greek, but I'm just trying to give it to you. And again, I'm welcoming in the future. We're going to have a special page on our new Luke21.com website if you want to call me out. Uh, does a Greek really say that? Because I was told the Greek says certain things regarding First and Second Thessalonians when I was a firm believer in the rapture at any moment theory, and it turned out not to be true. So I'm not afraid to be called out. But in the New Testament, the word gospel is a noun, euangelion. And I don't know if you just hear that. The words in English like evangelicals, like how, where does that word come from? From euangelion, from the gospel. Or evangelism comes from the same root word, euangelion. So if you looked in the New Testament, gospel is euangelion. And if you looked in Isaiah, it's the verb here, twice, brings good tidings, brings good tidings. It's euangelizo, which is simply the same. It's a verbal form of the noun. You read gospel in the New Testament. Does that make sense? And, you know, you can hear it. Just the last three letters difference shows one's a noun, one's a verb. It's the same root between the two. So bringing good tidings means proclaiming the gospel. And what's the principal message of the gospel? That's the last part of Isaiah 52, 7. Your God reigns. In other words, the gospel is the official announcement that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, is king of the world. Okay? And it's it's an announcement, not that it's going to happen sometime in the future, that it's occurred. For instance, you go to uh, Mark Chapter 1, verse 1, Mark gets right to the point. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, there was somebody else at the time St. Paul was writing this, and right before, uh, who called himself the city, uh, the Son of God. Who was that? Caesar Augustus. If you look at a Roman coin with the image of Caesar Augustus on it, it also said Son of God. So when St. Mark was saying, here's the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way, he's the son of God. (laughs) Do you realize this is an earthquake? An absolute earthquake. The greatest world empire, so to speak, the king of the world, called himself the son of God. And here comes a bunch of fishermen and itinerant missionaries going around the Roman Empire says, no, Jesus Christ is son of God. This is such revolutionary uh, the declarations. The Navarre Bible, which is a good Catholic study Bible, says of this verse, the core of this message of the gospel is the enthronement of God. Your God reigns. This is the core message of the gospel. Now, would uh, the newly converted Gentiles in Thessalonica understand what Paul was talking about when he talked about the gospel came to you? Well, the word gospel, euangelion, in the Roman Empire at the time this letter was written was a very common word. It was a a royal announcement. It's like um, the king just gave birth to his firstborn son who is going to be king of the world's empire. 
And so they would have a gospel, a royal announcement, a euangelion of the Roman Empire. And it could be the birth or the ascension to the throne of a new king. And this is exactly the core message of the New Testament. And honestly, I think if you would ask the average Protestant or Catholic, what's the core message of the gospel? And again, you try to really get it to the point where it's it's actually um, scripture-based. Does it have anything to do with Isaiah 52, 7? Does it have anything to do with Mark 1, 1? Does it have anything to do with the first sermon of John the Baptist recorded or the first words declared by Jesus in his three-year ministry that the kingdom has come? This is the king. This is the royal announcement. So gospel was a commonly known word. Son of God was a title for the king of the world, Caesar Augustus. In addition, in verse 1, St. Paul wrote, Lord Jesus Christ, and the word Lord in the Roman Empire was a summary title of the emperor's position. So Lord Jesus Christ, or you call it Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The Messiah was a Jewish king who would end up king of the world. Pilate understood this completely. That's why he put the title on the cross, this king of the Jews in Greek in Hebrew, in Latin, so nobody would miss it, and yet we're missing it. So this is a message that would profoundly shock the world. And a lot of people think, well, Paul went around talking about how I can be saved. Well, that's true, but that's the byproduct. Faith isn't believing certain things about me or certain things that God does to me Before that, it's belief of certain things about Jesus, not about me or not what Jesus does for me. Those things are true. That's part of the message. But the prime message of the gospel of who is Jesus Christ, if he's the son of God, he's king of the world. If he's Lord, he's king of the world. If the gospel is about Jesus, he's king of the world. That's the point of the New Testament message. So the folks who are the new believers in Thessalonica would have the backdrop of pagan kings, Caesars, claiming divinity, ultimate lordship, and everything else. And here comes somebody who was born in a stable and and rides in to ascend the throne on a donkey and this type of thing. It's turning things upside down. But what about the non Christians in Thessalonica. Not everybody converted. There was a lot of people who didn't convert. In fact, some of the people got pretty hostile to St. Paul and to his new converts in Thessalonica. What would they have thought regarding the gospel being preached to them? And we know exactly what they were thinking. It's in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 17, we have St. Paul and his visit to Thessalonica. And it says in Acts 17 and verse 6, they were after Paul, and it says when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, crying. Hear this. These men 
who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And again, I would dare say well over 95% of Christians could not tell you what the prime message of the gospel is regarding the kingship of Jesus presently in this world. And yet the non-Christians in Thessalonica got it, saying that there is another king, Jesus. They got it. They heard the message and rejected it. And if we are honest, the church in our day, whatever church you happen to be a member of, uh, the world seems to be turning the church upside down more than the church is turning the world upside down. We're not really winning the cultural wars or the war for the hearts and minds and souls of men and women and particularly young people. And we have to ask ourselves, is there something missing in the way we present, believe, and live the gospel that we could then again start turning the world upside down, thereby making it upright again. And I think that's this is the kingdom reality. And that's why prophecy, this isn't just to kind of get a crystal ball timeline of what's going to happen. No, this is critical stuff. And this is the power of the gospel to change a pagan world into a Christian world. It turns the world right side up again by proclaiming the gospel message that Jesus Christ is king of the world. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening and watching Luke 21. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.